up, world? Your past first point guard and Blazer beat writer Mike Richmond. You're listening to another episode of Lockdown Blazers, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, available wherever you get podcasts. Today's show, I want to give it a state of the union. The Blazers are now one in three coming out of the All Star break. Of course, none of the games without Damian Lillard. What's going on without Dame? You know, but I want to give some numbers to it, some context to it, and uh, just share a little bit of my thoughts on the state of the union the Blazers as it is. We'll talk C.G. McCollum, we'll talk the vets, we'll talk the young guys. Three segments, all about life without Dame. The Blazers are 1-3 coming out of the break. Losses to three pretty good teams, the New Orleans Pelicans, Boston Celtics, and Indiana Pacers with their lone win coming against a truly bad Detroit Pistons team where they needed C.J. McCollum to be absolutely brilliant at the end of the game to pull that one out. The offense has been a little bit worse than it has been throughout the season, uh, just on a points-per-possession basis. You can believe that. The defense has been a little bit better. They're getting outscored by about just over 7 points per 100 possessions. I think the sample size is too small to really get into the nitty-gritty of net rating and offensive rating in four games. I think it's more important to look at sort of individuals and how they've performed with new roles, bigger minutes. At the most important time of the season, the Blazers are incredibly shorthanded. They've been shorthanded all year. This has kind of been the theme of the season, and it's continuing here. But without Damian Lillard, the Best point guard in the NBA, certainly the best player on the Blazers. CJ McCollum has had to step up and play a much larger role, and quite frankly, he's filled that role very well. He's averaging 31 points, a clean 10.0 assists, 5.5 rebounds, shooting 44.7% from the field, 39.5% from the free throw line, or excuse me, from the three-point line, and curiously, still 71% from the free-throw line. My man just has has lost his shooting stroke at the free-throw line, and maybe he'll get back there, but it seems like this season might be one of those that becomes very puzzling for CJ at the stripe. McCollum's also getting to the line with a lot more frequency, more than double his season average coming out of the break. He's been about as good as you could possibly expect, and he's been doing it by just dominating the offense. His usage rate is uh, 34.8%. Usage rate is basically how many possessions you use. So each each possession that you either shoot, turn it over, or get to the free throw line. He's he's using more than a third of the Blazers' possessions. For context, when Russell Westbrook went nuts, his his usage rate was was about 39, it's like 38 and some change. And when Dame was the best player in the NBA from January 20th to February 1st during that absurd six-game stretch, his usage rate was 36.2%. So it's... CJ is doing what stars do, is he is commanding a ton of possessions, eating them up, and being pretty efficient as he does it. McCollum has 40 assists and 15 turnovers in four games. That's an assist-to-turnover ratio of 2.7. And I think that was the big question for CJ. Uh, Could he not score. I knew he could score efficiently. I knew he could go get a bucket. It's what he does. He's been averaging over 20 a game for several seasons. It's what makes him a special basketball player, right? Like that's his skill. He can go score against literally anyone. But it's, could he 
play point guard? Could he be the point guard? And I think he's passed that test for the most part, in my opinion. Um, I think he's done a really good job of setting the table. I think his assist numbers probably overstate his sort of real passing ability, but he's done a really nice job of just setting dudes up. Him and Hassan Whiteside don't have that sort of natural chemistry in the pick and roll, but CJ has done a really good job of drawing defenders and making making them pay for sticking with him a beat too long. He's done a good job of Hassan slip screens, just getting him the ball in the paint, getting him to his spots. Uh, he's got a great chemistry with Carmel Anthony and in the lone win against Detroit, those guys just worked the two man game down to stretch to basically save the, save the, save the, I was going to say save the season, but save the one game that they won. Uh, the issue really hasn't been that CJ can't fill in for Damian Lillard. That that hasn't been what has bogged the Blazers down. He's done so admirably, even if at the very end of their most recent game on Thursday night against the Pacers, he couldn't sort of conjure up Lillard's magic. CJ missed a couple uh, threes right at the end of the game and, and in crunch time that would have potentially swung the balance of the game, certainly put the Blazers in a better chance to win. But holding... holding CJ to the Damian Lillard standard is unfair and when a dude is averaging 31 five and a half and 10 it's hard for me to say that he's struggled or needs to do more he's been really really good and if you've listened to my concerns in this podcast sort of heading into this stretch I had real doubts I was harboring some real doubts about whether CJ could step in and be this good for this team He's more than surpassed my personal expectations. The issue hasn't been C.J. McCollum. The issue is that while C.J. has stepped in and been Damian Lillard, no one has stepped in and become C.J. McCollum. The Blazers' depth, even before Dame went out, even before this injury, was already an issue. They basically settled into having six NBA players with uh, the Dame, CJ, Ariza, Mello starting lineup, Hassan Whiteside too, sorry, and then Gary Trent Jr. off the bench. They basically had six real contributors, and they were just rolling with those six dudes. Four of them would play well each night, and Dame would be fantastic, and that's how they would win games. Lord's injury has only exacerbated that depth and that issue. It has just served to underscore how little help the Blazers really do have at the end of the bench. But it hasn't been CJ's fault. He's been good. A lot of you, a couple of you have tweeted at me and say, hey, you were really skeptical. What do you think? Well, I think this. He's been really good. He's He is not the issue. And not even not the issue. That's like too harsh. He's been good. Undeniable that 31, 5.5, and, and 10 is, is a very impressive stretch. Mostly the issue is that while CJ has stepped into the role of superstar, no one in the Blazers has really stepped into the role of sidekick. So that's what I want to talk about in the second segment. The other vets on this team and what they've done in Dame's absence after the All-Star break. Okay, so the first segment we talked all about CJ McCollum's contributions. I want to talk about the rest of the veterans on the team. CJ has stepped into that Damian Lillard role. No one has stepped into that CJ McCollum role. Perhaps to no fault of their own, it's just the way the roster is constructed, but it certainly is the reality. The other Blazers starters, Carmelo Anthony, the veteran starters at least, Carmelo Anthony, Trevor Reza, and Son Whiteside have been fine, even 
hitting what I would consider are reasonable expectations, but they haven't taken a major step forward. Let's start with Carmelo Anthony, whose overall numbers look good. 19.5 points on 49% shooting. He's playing 35 minutes a night after since the All-Star game. But he's mixed in some real stinkers. 6 of 17 against New Orleans, 5 of 14 against the Celtics, both losses, with a truly brilliant night against Detroit when he had 32 points on 11-16 shooting. My guy was balling his first 30-point game since 2017 with the Knicks. And then he had a quiet but efficient game against the Pacers. Uh, It's not a great matchup for him, a team that goes really big, but he was fine. He just didn't. He didn't dominate. He didn't have a 30-point game, which is kind of what the Blazers need. The Blazers obviously could stand for him to be more consistent. Certainly, that's that's definitely true. They could use more nights like he was against Detroit, even if he doesn't have 32. The efficient, high-scoring game where he hits those marks, you know, about 20 on efficient shooting would be a really, a really nice night for Carmelo. But asking him to be the second best scorer on a West playoff team just seems unrealistic and unfair. I think Carmelo was bad in two of the games. Like, he, was, he wasn't he was good. The matchups in those games weren't good for him. Zahan Williamson and a combination of Jason Tatum or Jalen Brown, depending on who was who they were throwing at him. Those are tough, those are tough matchups for Carmelo. But he wasn't great. But I have a hard time hammering him as sort of like, oh, he needs to be better. The Blazers are relying on him. They're relying on him, but they're relying on him because the roster is wonky, not because he's a certain savior. He was brought here to be a third offensive option and a guy who kind of just does what he does, scores in isolation. I don't know that that's really changed. And like I said, his overall numbers look good after the All-Star break. It's just he hasn't been consistent. But if he was consistently really good, he probably wouldn't be a Blazer right now. Like, his situation has dictated his where he is. Hard for me to hammer too much on Carmelo. But the Blazers could use more from him, even if asking him to do more is an unfair thing to do. Moving on from Melo, I think, at least from my point of view, that I thought this was this particular stretch was going to be a challenge for Hassan Whiteside. Uh, just because he has been really good playing next to Dame. I think he kind of, after kind of a rocky start to the season, uh, I think he had really developed a real chemistry with Dame. He had really kind of figured out what the Blazers wanted him to do on offense. Um he kind of just does what he does on defense, so let's leave that alone for now. But he had kind of figured out where his points were going to come from on offense as sort of a screener, as where he could get, um, how he could work in the pick and roll, what he could do to make this team better in that in that that phase. And I think he'd kind of really figured it out. Uh, he's still a legend in the box score, though. In four games since the All-Star break, he's averaging 17.8 points, 16 rebounds, 3.8 blocks, and shooting 59.6% from the floor. The dude just does it. You are not going to you are not going to uh, cheat Hassan Whiteside out of a massive stat line. My man is going to put him up. But the real question for me was how was he going to perform without playing? He plays nearly all of his minutes, about about eighty nine percent of his minutes come next to Damian Lillard. So the question for me was what's it going to be like with Dame on the court for zero of Hassan's now thirty eight plus minutes a night. 
on the year with Dame and Hassan on the court, the Blazers have been really good. 116 offensive rating, 114 defensive rating. That's actually a bad defense, but they're a bad defensive team. Not going to hammer on that. But that's a plus two net rating. They've been out, they outscore opponents by about two points per 100 possessions. However, when it's just Hassan and Dame is out of the game, and this is only including games that both of them have appeared in, the Blazers get outscored when just Whiteside is on the court and, and Lord is on the bench in 71 total minutes this season. The Blazers have been outscored by 12.9 points per 100 possessions. Basically, it would be the equivalent of about 13 points a night. That's that's not exactly how net rating works, but if you if you don't understand, it's it's uh, that's a good way to think about it. They get crushed in those minutes. So my big thing was how was Hassan going to fare now with 38 minutes a night with no Dame? Traditionally, they've been crushed. And by traditionally, I mean literally just this season. But in four games with Hassan on the court, the Blazers are only getting outscored by about 2.6 points per 100 possessions. They got a 106 offensive rating, a 109 defensive rating. The offense is way worse. The defense is, like I said at the top of the show, a little bit better, uh, but it's such a small sample size that I don't think the overall numbers really matter. But the Blazers have not gotten crushed without Dame on the court. I, I think a lot of that should be credit to CJ McCollum for setting the table, for keeping that starting unit afloat. Uh, as I'll talk about in the third segment, the issue really isn't the starting group. The starting group has been about as mediocre to underwhelming as they've been all year. I mean, they... They this all year this team's been just kind of meh, um, but they've been competitive in the minutes the starters have played. That really hasn't changed, and that's a credit to CJ McCollum. It's a credit to Son Whiteside. It's a credit to obviously Ariza and Mello for um, f- for keeping at least the starting group competitive. The problem is when it's on sits. The Blazers are getting outscored by almost 16 points, 15.7 points per 100 possessions, almost 16 points per 100 possessions. A negative 15.7 net rating. That's bad news. And that's really the big deal. It isn't the starting group. I think Hassan has comported himself well. I think he's been he's been fine. He's been fine. He has obvious shortcomings. Um, he's just glued to the paint on defense. He's not much of a passer, but his strengths are still his strengths. He, he grabs rebounds. He blocks shots. He... If he, if he gets in his spots, he can dunk on people. He can be big. And he's done fine. And my biggest concern was that since the Blazers had gotten killed in those minutes when it had just been Hassan on the court, that that trend was going to continue. And for the most part, it hasn't. It's got to be good news, right? Last vet I want to talk about before we shift to the third segment is Trevor Reza. He was pretty good against New Orleans the first game out of the break. Was fine in that game. Then he was really, really awful. Probably his worst game as a Blazer against the Pistons. He had two points on one of four shooting. Turned the ball over five times. Just was, just was really, really bad. That was that was a, a, a tough game for a reason. It happens though. He bounced back with a really solid night against the Celtics. Seventeen points on five of six shooting. Uh, he was kind of meh against the Pacers. But I kind of put him in the same boat as Mello. He's playing 36 minutes, almost 37 minutes a night. He's 35 years old. It's unrealistic unrealistic to think he could step into a larger role than solid fifth starter. 
that's kind of what the Blazers signed him up to be, is they brought him in here to be a solid fifth starter. He still could fill that role. It's just they kind of need him to be more than that now. It's more than just, oh, Dame's out, you need to be the solid fourth starter. You're talking about replacing a ton of minutes. They kind of need someone to play the CJ role. I don't think that the team wants Trevor to do that in terms of playmaking and individual scoring-wise. They certainly... That that's not just how the offense is going to work. If anyone is going to do, do that, it's Carmelo Anthony. So I think we should hold Trevor to a different standard, certainly. But but asking Ariza to do more is kind of unrealistic. I, I like I like I said with Melo in the top of the segment. I think it's just kind of unfair to say, oh well, you know, we need you to be the guy who had seventeen on and you know came away with a couple steals against the Celtics we need we need that every night he just if he was capable of doing that he'd be a different player or he'd be a Trevor Reza at a different stage of his career I think that reality doesn't particularly help the Blazers as it stands but I do think it's the reality so it's hard for me to bury any of the vets Hassan Whiteside has continued to be what he is solid with limitations Carmelo Anthony has been overall efficient, but he's mixing some duds. And Trevor Ariza has been fine. And at a moment, and there's been moments when he's been really useful. Asking those two guys to be more consistent is probably unfair. And I think you're the Blazers are close to getting the absolute max out of Hassan Whiteside right now. It's hard for me to really. I've been someone who's been pretty critical of him. It's hard for me to be critical of him in this stage at all. The real issue is that the Blazers' young guys either haven't seized the opportunity or are just simply incapable of seizing a larger share of the responsibility. And that's what I want to talk about in the third segment to close the show. All right, we talked CJ McCollum. We talked Mello, Reason, Hassan Whiteside. It's time to close the show talking about the young guys. C.J. McCollum has played 156 of the 192 minutes since the All-Star break. In the 67 minutes he sat, the Blazers have been outscored by 24 points. They're just getting rolled in those minutes. And that probably shouldn't surprise anyone, but it's undeniable. Put another way, since this has been this podcast has been a little bit heavy on net rating, the Blazers have been outscored by 27.6 points per 100 possessions in the minutes CJ has been on the bench. They're just getting rolled. For reference, the Blazers have been outscored by four total points when CJ's been in the game. So it's not like they're cruising past teams and would be in line for a win when he played. It's that they've been relatively competitive when he's been on the court and they've been just smoked when he sits. So it's time to talk about the guys who play when he sits out. Gary Trent Jr. isn't really that guy he's starting, but he's sort of a young guy that you would expect to pick up some of the scoring, particularly on the bench unit, uh, the way the substitutions work is that Anthony Simons is coming in for him and then they're bringing Gary back with that second unit because they need a little more pop and they need a shooting guard on the second unit. So, but Gary has Gary has struggled. He had a really good game against Indiana. We'll get there. But overall, in four games, he's averaging 12 points a game on 40% shooting. And he looked pretty 
decent against the Pelicans to start coming out of the break, just because the Blazers' whole offense looked pretty good. It was a high-scoring game. But then he turned into absolute stinkers against Detroit and Boston. He combined in those two games 13 points on 6 of 18 shooting. And like I said, he was really good against the Pacers. 20 points, 5 rebounds. He had a steal. Uh, I thought he was going to be credited with more than that. I was surprised to see the box score only had him with one. He had a couple other heady defensive plays down the stretch, getting deflections, knocking the ball out of bounds off someone uh, to get the ball back when the Blazers were mounting a comeback late against the Pacers, basically down 10 with three minutes left and kept themselves in the game by getting a bunch of stops and forcing three straight turnovers. They just only cashed in on one of them. The one they cashed in on, Gary Trent Jr. was the one who made the bucket. Played 41 minutes against the Pacers and he was really good. I also just thought he played a little bit harder. I mean, sometimes it's easy to say that when the shot goes in, but I think defensively he was just a little a little bit sharper. Maybe harder is the wrong word, just aggressive. I thought he was like smarter in his aggression against the Pacers. They need that ver- version of him. They just they the Blazers just absolutely need that version of Gary Trent Jr. The bigger issue is that when they don't have that version of Gary Trent the other options are really rough. Trent is young. He's not going to have it every night. Um, He's been way, way better, and he's sort of coming into his own in this moment, but consistency is like, same with Melo and and Ariza, at the end of your career and is really hard to maintain. In the beginning of your career, it's really hard to maintain. It's um, the guys who are really good in the league are really good every night. Consistency is the mark of good players, and it's what separates stars from role players. And Gary hasn't been that, and they need him to be. They just really need him to be because behind him, the options are so limited. Starting with Anthony Simons, who is averaging 7 points per game on 25% shooting after the All-Star break. He's 10 of 40 from the floor in 88 minutes. He has 28 total points on 40 shots since the All-Star break. Yikes. His decision-making is is poor. It seems like he's... um, He's trying to force it a little, a little bit, a little bit more than he should. Uh, he had some. He just the Blazers were kind of in the game against the Pacers, and then when CJ was out at the beginning of the fourth quarter, the bench just kind of lost touch. Um, they didn't completely lose the game, but it, when they had a chance to kind of keep it close, keep it basically essentially tied or down down four, they let it get to double digits. And and Ant is part of the reason why he's just really struggled. But so have the other guys. He's not alone. The Blazers have gotten thrashed when Hazonia or Nazir Little, Mario Hazonia or Nazir Little has been in the game. So that has forced Terry Stotts at times to go with Wenyan Gabriel, either as a small ball center next to Carl Anthony or playing power forward next to Caleb Swanigan. Gabriel is just, it, he's just raw. His decision making is is a little erratic. His, he's not a great shooter. Um, his touch and sort of where he can get his shots off on the rim, he just doesn't have a great idea of that. He's long, he's athletic, he plays hard, but he's just not ready to be a regular NBA contributor right now. And even then, with his size and how he plays, Stotts turned to him for, at times, instead of Hazonia or Little, because neither of them have played particularly well. Caleb Swanigan just can't put together enough positive hustle plays to counterbalance his bad hands and slow feet. And those are the Blazers' options. The young guys haven't stepped up. No one has no one has stepped up into the CJ role, quite frankly, because no one else on this roster is capable of stepping up into the CJ role. 
CJ has stepped up into that Damian Lillard role. He's been really good. I think the other vets have been fine, and I think the young guys have been believably bad at the end of the bench. None of this is groundbreaking, but I want to give you a Blazers State of the Union for this episode. I want to tell you what's going on with this team in my eyes. They look kind of how you expect them to look. Their next six games are against teams with losing records. I don't think Damian Lode's coming back on this road trip, so the Blazers will close it out against Atlanta and Orlando. The time to make a move is now. We kind of know what this team is capable of on an average night. They're capable of being relatively competitive with a good team, but probably not talented enough to beat most of them on any given night. Now they have a stretch where they're playing teams that are just not that good. If they're going to make a move, if it's going to happen for the Blazers, it's going to happen right now. Someone or a group of someones is going to have to step up into that CJ McCollum role. That super sidekick role. We'll see what happens. That's going to do it for this episode. Tell your friends about this podcast. They can get it wherever they already get podcasts. Google, Apple, Stitcher, Spotify. Your podcatcher of choice. We are there waiting for you. Appreciate you listening. Talk to you soon.